Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith. Now, last week we heard the first part of our conversation with Lucy Jeffrey from Bearkind, and we explored how she communicates her brand's impact, which included some really important lessons for all impact entrepreneurs. If you haven't already listened to that, I recommend you backtrack and listen to that episode first because it does set us up for today's show. But the reason I asked Lucy to join me was that in just 12 to 18 months, she's been phenomenally successful in driving growth through wholesale channels, bringing in over 700 stores. With profitable growth being trickier than ever for e-commerce brands this year, especially sustainable brands with an inherently higher cost of goods, I wanted to pick Lucy's brains and give you access to some of the key insights she's picked up on how to make that work. To quickly summarize where we got to in the last episode, Lucy's brand has been growing very well with 10x growth in 2021 and then doubling again in 2022. But largely due to the increasing cost of acquisition, together with increases in retail shipping costs, their growth in 2022 came without increased profit. Bearkind have a largely giftable product set that is heavily seasonal. 60% of their revenue is tied to Christmas sales. So to smooth that out, as well as find a more profitable growth strategy, she's turned to wholesale, specifically through wholesale marketplaces like FAIR. In this episode, we dive into more details about Lucy's strategy so that you can replicate her success. We learn about how to get the most from the wholesale platforms, how to price products for success, and much, much more. So with that, let's start the show. So at the end of the last show, I just asked Lucy whether their success in wholesale was in managing their relationships direct or via one of the wholesale marketplaces. And here's what she had to say. Yeah, so we do a little bit of direct. And before we make, before we jumped on all these new platforms that have come out, we were direct wholesale sales. Um, but we've just basically now moved all those customers onto the platforms because the way most of them work, so FAIR is our main channel. Uh, so we're on FAIR, that's our biggest one. The second one then is Anchor Store, which is European sales, but we get much less through that. Um, more recently, we're on Creo 8, but to be honest, not getting a huge amount through that. So FAIR is our main one. And the, the way they work is... They take a commission on the orders that they bring you. So it's a marketplace. I liken it to Etsy, but for wholesale. So lots of independent mm. brands, you can a retailer can come on and say, great, I want that, that, and that for my shop. If they facilitate that sale, that's usually about 25% commission and then 15% for reorders. But if you are driving the sale as the brand, so I turn around and say, hey, customers of mine, come onto this platform. It makes it so much easier to buy. You get net payment terms of 60 days, things like that, loads of benefits. It's so it's it's a great shopping experience for them. My customers love it, but it's zero percent commission for life on those customers. So what you're looking at is actually a blended and any lead you find. So anyone like I could approach a retailer and say, "Are you unfair? You know, build that relationship and then shop with them." And if I have that proof that they're my customer or they use my link, zero um, percent commission on them. So we did a lot of that and we've grown massively through that. Um, we're bringing lots of people to the platform and for that fair rewards us. They love that we're bringing lots of people to the platform. So they boost us in the algorithm. So our blended commission across all those sales is actually much lower than that 
25%. It's last year, it was actually around 4%. It's gone up because we're now seeing it kind of seesaw towards marketplace sales. So now it's more like 10, 10, 12%. But still, it's yet yeah, people get scared off because they're like 25% commission, no thanks. But it's not yeah. like that. If you're bringing your own customers, your own like acquisition, which we've done a lot of, um, it's a really, really affordable channel. And that percentage is so much less than cost of acquisition on the retail side of it. Facebook, Google. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a really, really great channel once you get going. Even at 25%, you know, one of the challenges that I'm sure you have in retail is that your product, albeit they are, you know, strong value socks, you know, we're still only talking about 10 quid for a pair of socks. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and that's yeah, yeah. very hard to make work on the digital channels retail. Yeah. Um, because there's just there's not enough headroom there so you know you would imagine that that your cost of acquisition from paid ads to a pair of socks or even two pairs of socks is still going to be 15 pounds maybe 10 pounds 15 pounds you know you're going to be really struggling whereas it's 25 percent on a guaranteed sale yeah guaranteed sale bringing you a new potentially very high value customer over the long term so you know it's it's a very different structure but 25 percent still makes me feel a little bit ill i won't lie but what you the the nugget of wisdom that you've just shared is yeah but think about the big picture with the channel as a whole not just the individual connection that you've made from the customer that trades brought you or fairs brought you or whoever it is because if you look at it being a channel and you've got a um, an averaged out cost uh, across the whole mechanism, you bringing customers, you doing the legwork and bringing customers onto the platform is actually hugely beneficial because it helps you increase your ranking, which helps you yeah. your discovery even more. So there's momentum to be had that way, as well as um, having a, a weighted cost, which is much, much lower. Yeah, absolutely. And we know we've been very good at this. So we um, we know that we're the biggest sock brand Woo-hoo. on FAIR in Europe, which is huge. Yeah, because yeah. FAIR is massive. Like they are a multi-million dollar company. They've taken loads of investment, um, had a massive valuation. So yeah, and that is because we put so much work into that acquisition side of it, bringing our own customers to the platform. So yeah, fair. we're still being rewarded from FAIR. Like last year, they had a program where every customer you brought to the, the platform, they would give you another two in return. Um, and they kind of banked that. And that was like, that was a program from last year. So they kind of banked that. And at the end of the year, we had so many banked. They kind of came to us because they promised it by the end of Q4 and it's still going. They, they had to come to us and say, well, okay, look, we're going to still honor it, but this is we, we can't do it this year because you've banked so many customers. It's going to have to keep going and going. So we're still kind of seeing the tail end of that and we're over yeah. H1s. So, um, yeah, I think I've seen a lot of people on fair, particularly now it's become quite saturated. Um, lots of, you know, lots of brands realizing the power of wholesale. So it is becoming more saturated. People are still struggling in this area, but then you see them and you say, well, what are you doing to get sales? Oh, well, I'm just, I'm on the platform. That's not enough to just be on a platform. You actually have to put the work in. We pivoted our entire team to focus on sales for wholesale, bring driving them in. That's why we're doing so well. Um, and now, yes, we can afford to just sit on the platform maybe a week at a time and we'll still get sales from not doing anything, but that's because we've put the work in previously. Great tip there. Awesome tip. So what are 
you doing to bring the work in? What are, what are the main activities that your team actually do to bring people onto the platform? Yeah, so it's I mean mainly it's, it's a lot of hard work on lead generation. So it's going out and uh, I've done this a lot. Um, it's going out and actually doing my research, finding places that I can you know find brands, contact them, getting emails, and then it's our email marketing flow. So we used to use the email marketing through Fair, which is free and it's good. It's good enough, but now we use our own CRM system. Um, so we're on HubSpot. Um, and we do a lot of email flows through that. So it's, I guess, similar to retail, you kind of need to, need to have that, you know, from a, from a retail, retail customer that you're not just going to send one email and then they're going to go, great, here's my money. Mm. It's a constant thing that you have to be doing. So we have lots of flows. We have like a whole flow of one to 10 emails to introduce our brand to retailers. Um, a lot of um, return customer analysis as well. So we've got a really valuable pot of customers Um you know, it's, you know, it's that kind of 80-20 thing, 20% of our customers come back, give 80% of the revenue, but there's a big pot of customers there who, for whatever reason, haven't come back or they've only come back twice. And it's kind of working out now. Okay, great. Do they just need to buy at Christmas? Are they waiting for new stock to come in? Like what's going on there? And um, lots of activity through the year. We're always testing things. So, you know, we've got a monthly newsletter that goes out, but now we're testing that um, twice a month instead and seeing like, you know, what do, how do people react? I send out some samples postcards visiting in person like we're just testing stuff all the time um, and putting a lot of work into that um, and then the charities do come into that as well so obviously on for our wholesale channel communicating the charity impact is good as well so you know in our newsletters we have uh, we have a charity clarity section and that talks about you know awesome things that the charities are doing so I think it maybe hits harder on the retail side because they actually love to sit and read our emails and learn about the charities. And I think on the flip side, wholesale, it's a busy business owner. I'm not sure how many of them are actually sitting down and reading about the charity impact. Um, but from verbatim I'm getting, they like it. They like the idea behind it and so do their customers. Mm. So I think, you know, that's an important part of it as well. Obviously on your website, you've got a very direct line of sight to communicate the impact. You buy these this pair of socks with a koala on it and you're going to save some koalas right that's essentially the story how do you go about communicating the impact model that you have and how do you even manage the impact model that you have when it comes to wholesale because obviously it's one one for x on the on your retail store how do you how do you manage that same impact uh equation through wholesale so magic managing the model uh the way we do it is we get to the end of the year and we add it all up and go okay great this is this is our profit what's 10 percent of that so it's as simple as that but then we take um our sales into account and say okay well 20 percent of sales came from this animal 10 percent. then we split it up that way and take that to the charities um it's the most manageable way to do it uh it's too hard any other way like without any software because we have to do it all manually basically um so that's the way we manage it. So the impact is on wholesale is, you know, there's still the impact there and their they're buying decisions are impacting. So their customers can know that if they're buying an orangutan sock from their local shop, it is still influencing where that money yeah. goes. That's the, mo- that's the main thing. In terms of communicating it, I think less of a, we've done less of a good job on, on the wholesale side, but I also, it's not that they care less. I think it's just, they have a lot more other influencing factors when they're making their decisions. And I think they see, great, I can see the impact. 
um, or they, if they really want to do their research, they can see it all on the on the, on the retail website. But I think they look at it on our wholesale channels and see, cool, I don't see any other brands doing this. My customers would like this yeah. and they just do it. And that they just, it's such a nice story for them to communicate. We then see post-sale, um, we see much more engagement with it. So at that point, they'll kind of be like, what can I, have you got anything I can share with my customers? Have you got any leaflets? Like, you know, I want the charity info. Like that's at that point, they're then thinking about how they communicate it with their yeah. customers. So that's where we do provide some kind of marketing assets. We've got posters they can share. Uh, I don't yet do, like I do keep, keep being asked for like a, you know, a charity card for every single mm. sock so it, to go in orders um and i haven't quite figured out a really good way of doing that without it being a logistical nightmare because especially if someone's ordering a lot on retail on the retail side for my website that's a, an extra pick that costs me for every single one and that's like i'd have to somehow match them up we've got 50 plus socks now um I think there's possibly a way of doing it on wholesale where we can give them like, you know, a set of cards and they can do whatever they want with them. So that's that's an opportunity there. But yeah, it really is about the for them. It's more about how they then communicate it with their customers. Yeah. So it's us, us providing the assets for that. Yeah. Some sort of recycled paper hang tag with the story on it. Yeah. Well, our package, to be fair, our, yeah, our packaging has evolved to go more in that direction. So it used to be just kind of the same packaging on each one. Um, you know, just cardboard, their kind, that kind of branding saves the animals. But now we've got individual packaging for every single sock. So it literally says on the front, these socks save lions, turtles, penguins, etc. And I think we literally did that for retail because we were like, this is going to look really powerful in a shop. Like you see a wall of it and think, wow, okay. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, there are QR codes on the inside. So a customer can scan that and that takes them to the charity impact. So small things like that, actually quite easy for us to do. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, that's translated well. That's gone down really well, that packaging change. I love that. The picture I've got in my mind now is, like you said, literally a whole wall covered with the, the impact from the socks. And then, yeah, that's got the hair standing off the back of my neck. That's awesome. That's yeah. that's that's really going to stand out in the store. So that's brilliant. Okay, let me come back to the questions. Some of the questions I was going to ask before. So yeah, you talked about you know you talked about the sort of the economic structure a little bit. What percentage gross margin do you think people should be shooting for when they work wholesale? That's the million dollar question. Um, it really depends on your product. Um, I mean, we used to work to basically double your cost price and then kind of what is half your retail price and then kind of wiggle around in between. But it it really does depend. Like if you've got a more premium product, it, it, yeah, it really depends on that because you might have a more premium product, but actually sometimes those premium products can have quite a low cost price. So you're going to have a lot more margin to wiggle with. Mm. You really need to think when you're doing it about the margin you're giving to the retailer. So we roughly work to 2.5 to 2.6 markup for the retailer. Um, it needs to be, you know, you're not going to make any sales if that retailer is not going to make any money. Mm. Um, and we've got a lot less to play with just because, you know, it's a £10 pair of socks. There's yeah. a lot less to play with there. But you're working with the margin itself rather than the kind of actual value of, of money. Yes. Um, so I, I really think you need to kind of do your research on that one. We have, I guess we'll touch on it when we've, we are starting to teach people how to wholesale um, through our own our own course. And we go into pricing in detail. And that's more my um, my partner's side of it is the money, the finance, the Excel spreadsheets. So he does a really good detailed uh, video on how to price on wholesale and, you know, gives you a template and stuff. But the long and short of it is it's, don't, it's not a snap decision. Um, really think about it. 
And but we've also changed ours recently. This is an interesting one. We've actually decreased our wholesale price recently, which is sounds weird because it's like the opposite of it, where everything is going at the moment. Price is going up everywhere. But when we first came onto the market on wholesale, I was priced really high. Uh, on purpose because I was also doing super low MOQs and I was kind of just trying to work with other small brands and people would buy maybe 10 pairs at a time which arguably I could get 10 pairs at a time at my retail price so Mm. went too high and then in the last year or so we've realized that we're compared to our competitors and that's another important part of it is just understand the competitive market in terms of price we realized that we were still kind of hanging out at the top there we want to work with large brands. We want to get into John Lewis and, and department stores and things like that. And they will not even consider us if they see our price and think that's that's way too high for, you know, obviously there's wiggle room and negotiation, but if you're too high to start with, mm. they just won't consider you. So we've actually done a price decrease. So there is, you know, you can change your price, you know, and also don't undercut yourself because as soon as you've done that, it's hard to then do a price increase. Yeah. It, it's possible, but you're going to piss off your current customers if you do a massive change. Um, obviously, our customers were delighted with a price decrease, um, but I just it's a really important part of it, the pricing model to get right. Yeah, 100%. So you, you've essentially just said, look, you've got to triangulate between your cost of goods, obviously, and, and some sort of markup yeah. from there, your, your top line price, your retail price. And then where other people in the marketplace are bidding, um, somewhere, yes. somewhere that something in the triangulation of those three, you got to find a sweet spot that makes sense yeah. that you can actually grow off. Because obviously, the, the danger is that you you cut that gross margin down so fine to try and win that you actually run out of cash to reinvest and build inventory. Um, but talking of cash, one thing that's interesting with the platforms, I'm going to say, is that the cash flow model is quite different, isn't it? So talk to us a little bit about yes. how how fair and trade typically work in terms of the cash flow model and why that's different to what perhaps if you're managing it all yourself. Yeah. So typically they're, they're taking the sale and they offer the customer 60 days net net payment terms, or that's, that's what we've got on fair. So the customer doesn't have to pay for 60 days. Fair hold the credit risk. So they will guarantee your payout. Uh, You don't manage that with the customer. That's why it's quite a good platform. You're not having to chase invoices. You will get your payout at 30 days for free uh, minus processing fees. Uh, which you'd have anywhere else anyway. So you've got that kind of 30 gap. You can get an immediate payout, but you're charged for it. Um, when I last looked, it was like 3%, which could be quite a lot on wholesale. Um, so we, we've we never done that. We always wait for 30 days because we get it for free. Um, so it's it's still a guaranteed payout. Um, but really depending on how like how your cash flow is going, like if we were desperate, we yes, we just go and that's a pot of cash we know that we can just get out. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's this kind of it is 30 days that that to be fair, though, that's much better than what you're looking at on if you're working with big retailers and retailers that have buying teams and that they typically don't work on platforms they have their own process their own documents their own lead times everything like they do it in their own way so they will 30 60 up to 90 days mm. payment terms that they won't pay you for you so you've already shipped your product and they might not pay you for 90 days depending on the retailer yeah so that's a much harder one to manage for smaller brands and that's why these platforms coming out have been like a real i feel like a real resurgence of wholesale yes. because all these smaller brands, so they're suddenly realizing that it's an affordable channel for them. Yeah. So it would be very interesting to see if all these bigger retailers, if they will just carry on as they're going, or if there will suddenly be more of like a platform revolution for them as well. Because they have to go attend trade shows and negotiate price and, 
you know, work with the brand individually. And it's a case of do they want to keep doing that or do they want to make it easier for themselves and they just have an account and they just shop for what they want? Mm. I don't know. That's kind of like a forward thinking thing. But yeah, so yeah, it is a bit different. You're not getting the immediate cash, but you can if you want um, less the percentage. Um, but we've yeah, it's something we've we've just kind of baked into our cash flow forecast that we know we get the kind of payments like a 30 days later. I mean, amazingly important to just highlight the power of that flexibility, uh, because, mm. you know, uh, you say you might say, oh, 30 days, that's a long time. It's not. It's really not a long time to wait for, yeah. for wholesale payouts. And, you know, in Australia, it can be 90 to even 100 days, depending on your negotiating, what you've negotiated with the, the end retailer. And so. That's a long time to have your inventory or hold, given that it's not just from the order that you're holding it from. It's actually from the time where you've, you've paid your factory is how long the cash flow cycle actually is. Um, you know, yeah. so obviously, and uh, however long it takes you to make the product is, is a big part of that cash flow as well. So the fact that you can sacrifice another few percentage points in margin to get cash in the door at difficult times of the year, like i.e. if you're trying to stock up for Christmas, you know, you really need that cash in. So having that flexibility on those channels is incredible in terms of being able to finance your cash flow, your inventory, your buildup and your growth. Absolutely. And that percentage is far less than, you know, if you do well in that channel, that is essentially rather than going for a loan or trade financing or something like that to, to get your stock in for Christmas. So for example, we'll do a big order before Christmas. We have to pay for that before we've had our main sales period. Um, you know, how do we finance that? There's lots of options out there, but they're usually quite expensive. Yeah. So the other lever we can pull is just getting our cash out earlier on fair for 3%. Yeah. Um, so that that is a potential option. So you're right, the flexibility is great there. Yeah, very, very powerful for cash flow. And like you said, the these platforms take the credit risk too. So you can just get on with getting the order out, get the revenue in and not have to worry about chasing it down and sort of kicking the order down the road. No. So, but you didn't start uh, your brand wholesale do, do you feel like there's a good time for brands to go into wholesale is there a right time to choose that channel depends how many products you've got out i think you know i it wouldn't have been good for me to start on wholesale at the very beginning because i didn't have enough products like i do think it's good to have a good amount like a good variety um you know i think if i'd only had five pair five designs of socks i don't feel like that was enough to launch on wholesale 10 maybe mm. i think yeah 10 10 products is a you know a good amount to start especially at this low level as long as you've got like a future plan of like when your next releases and things are because what you're doing is trying to build relationships with these retailers and show a future a, a profitable future with them um so what's great now is that a retailer can come to us they know we have product launches through the year they can see we have a massive variety of products um brands that are struggling on these marketplaces are ones that don't have enough variety of SKUs on the platform um mm. because a retailer just doesn't see a future there and it could be an amazing product but if you've only got three different designs to choose from i, I don't think that's enough I, I mean, yeah, prove me wrong, really. Like, I'm sure there's brands that can make that work. But I think, you know, retailers are looking for a good partnership and a partnership that's going to last and that's not going to be on just three products. So um, I think you need to have a good amount of products. But our product wasn't ready for wholesale and we still went anyway. So you couldn't hang our socks. We had no barcodes, you know, and we've evolved from there. I think you can launch and improve as you go along. There's nothing wrong with that because there's no cost to list on these platforms. It's just a commission structure. So go sooner mm. rather than later, just because you can evolve as you go along, start testing, start building those relationships, start understanding what people actually want from you because your customers will tell you. They came to us and said, 
I need a way to hang these socks because I can't display them. So we built hanging packaging. Now we've got point of sale stands. We've got barcodes. We've completely evolved the business and the product to kind of help our retailers sell more. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to be perfect before you start. Like with anything, like I wouldn't launch an e-commerce business when it's absolutely perfect. I started with a variant of a model and it's completely evolved as it's gone along. I think it's the same on wholesale. Very wise words. Uh, get started. Yeah. Get Just get started. Um, you know, when it's not perfect, because you're going to learn anyway. You're going to yeah. learn what they want. They're going to tell you what they want and how to grow it. Are there different types of businesses or product sets you think work better on the wholesale channel? Also, I mean, obviously, we're talking about socks in your case. You know, there's obviously personal care brands, there's furniture brands, you know, really sort of super high value, you know, sort of items that people might buy once every 20 years versus, you know, once every couple of months. Are there different types of brands and products you think are going to absolutely be more successful? Um, No, there's such variety out there now. And I think because with all the issues on supply chains and costs going up and people worried about cash, wholesale is actually a great opportunity for so many brands to either test a product before they try and do it themselves. Or a lot of people just don't want to work with the end manufacturing and would rather do wholesale. And this, because it's, there's so much quality coming out, because I feel like wholesale used to be like, is that like cheap and cheerful model? Like it's just kind of like cheap socks made in China, like let's, you know, but now there's actually these, the kind of resurgence of these um, marketplaces means there's like really good quality brands that you'd want to stock in your shop on there, like ours. Like it's not, it's about sustainability and the charity model and the quality. Um, so I think there's, yeah, a, a huge amount of variety of quality businesses out there that are doing really well on wholesale. I think the difference is, is again, it comes down to how much work you put into it, your messaging, you know, your pricing, your price, you, you won't do well on wholesale unless you've like priced it um, right for the market and for the you know is it a premium product that's going to be different from a like a pair of socks for example um but yeah as you said all those you know food alcohol furniture care beauty all of them i'm seeing doing well on wholesale um right. so i think yeah no matter what product you have i think you can make it work it's just about finding make sure you've got your right audience um and any product can can thrive i think it's just all about making sure you're pitching it in the right way to the right people Brilliant. So it, can, it potentially can be work for anyone is what you're saying. So give it a red hot crack. I can't think of any that it wouldn't. Like I'm trying to wrap my brains for products that just wouldn't work. I guess maybe tech might be quite hard. What about custom made stuff? Again, that's on there. Is That's work. I've seen that work as well. Like as long as you're up front with like lead times and stuff. Okay. Um, you know, because obviously it's going to be different if you have to personalize something, but there's a massive, massive trend in personalization at the moment. So if you're doing something personalized and you can do it in bulk, it, yes, it is going to be harder depending on how you're set up, like a someone that's got kind of machines that do it for them versus if you're doing it by hand. But there is handmade products on fair that people are buying. You know, there's yeah, don't forget, you're not I think you're going to find it harder to get into somewhere like John Lewis. Yeah, sure. Um, with like a handmade product. But all these independent retailers and we're talking boutiques, maybe small chains, but, you know, like a nice like gift shop in your local town. Some of them are e- e-commerce brands themselves, like, like mm. letterbox gift companies and things like that. Um, they're also looking for handmade products as well. So handmade, yeah, they're all doing well. I guess the the only one I can think of is possibly tech, laptops, phones, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's okay. that's that's a different ball game. So I just think any really any small brand could probably do wholesale. Are there any gotchas or major downsides to using these these platforms that you found? 
I not I, not me personally, but I've seen people kind of complaining about customers kind of ripping them off or like trying to white label your goods. Like so white labeling is is now it seems to be allowed on the platforms that never used to be. Um, but yeah, you could have someone that, you know, tries to rip you off, like they get your products and then they say it hasn't arrived or it's damaged. And then and I have seen this happen to people and they say, oh, they've been, they said it's arrived and it's damaged, but they didn't pr- provide me proof. And then I go on their website and I can see that they're selling the products fine. And then they ask for a return and like just basically paid in the ask customers, which you're going to get on retail anyway. Uh, sometimes most customers are very nice, but um, I've not had that personally. So I don't really know what these brands are doing. I'm sure there's going to be p- people out there when they matter what you do that take advantage of what you're doing. The good thing is there is a lot of protection involved if you're selling on the marketplace. So fair will help you out. so that's a potential one that's the only one i can think of but Mm. it really shouldn't put you off because you've got your brand stitched into the socks anyway haven't you so it'd be really hard for someone to white label it exactly there's i mean yeah you can't really do anything with my product um to change it in that way so it's just really dependent on your product if you know if someone actually we have one recently so we're not not an amazon brand um that's our thing we tag ourselves on fair as a not an amazon brand doesn't really sit with our values, doesn't we? It might do in the future, maybe we'll change it. But at the moment, our stance is we're not on Amazon. But then one of our retailers, and it's in our terms and conditions, one of the retailers we recently started working with was listing our stock on Amazon. And we had a, we don't really, it's in our terms and conditions, but we don't really have an upfront conversation with every single one to say, please do not list on Amazon. I just kind of give the people the benefit of the doubt that they'd ask permission before mm. they do that kind of thing. And most people do, but they'd gone and done it anyway. So then I had to like have that conversation of, sorry, you're going to have to take them down. And they were like, well, they're selling really well. And I'm like, that's great. But I'm sorry, this is just a stance. We're not on Amazon. I've got 700 other retailers that buy from us potentially because we're not on Amazon. It's, you know, that's the uniqueness of the brand. Um, so we had to kind of work something out with them. And I've, I give them a bit of time to try and sell through before removing the listing. And then I've given them, you know, I'll return them for a refund. I've been very lenient with it. Um, but yeah, I guess the small things like that can happen. But again, it's part of your setup process for wholesale is do have those terms and conditions Mm. like just kind of understand what are your you know what do you want to do um with your with your wholesale what's a no-go for you you know if it's not amazon make sure you say that potentially i now need to start saying that up front just so it's clearer but yeah again it's just one of those things you learn on the job i've been doing it for a few wholesale for a few years now and that's the only occurrence of that and we've now kind of learned okay do we need to be clearer um so i just none of this should stop you you just you just learn and adapt as you go along and you're working with other business owners so people are generally quite susceptible to having a conversation of working through things with you i feel almost like i've been putting my face in a jet washer because the information has been coming thick and fast through the whole (laughs) it's whoa okay that was like so much to download i'm gonna have to go and listen to all this again yeah there's a lot (laughs) yeah there's so much information there and talking of that you mentioned you dropped the little nugget before so let's talk about it you've got a course coming out on how to do this right so can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that yeah so i'll start with like how it started in that we were doing so well on on wholesale we're doing really well on fair and so we just started a youtube channel just talking about it so i'd actually start there go we're bare kind on youtube um and every week i share like tips on wholesale and things like that and that was going really well and people were really engaging with it and saying thank you so much i actually implemented what you just said and it's worked blah 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 and i'm like huh I feel like I can monetize this. And 
as I said, we're a seasonal business. It's summer. We're struggling at the moment. Like we're fine and we know we'll have a good Christmas, but summer, you know, our cash flow is like dwindling. So we're like looking at how we pivot the business. And it's, you know, there's obviously geographic channels, you know, trying to launch in America. There's other, do we go into other products? Do we go into summer-based products? But both of those were levers that we can't pull immediately, really, right now. Um, Mm. We needed something else. So we decided take everything we've learned and distill it into a digital course for other business owners. Um, if you've not done wholesale before, it takes you through the whole of that pricing, MOQs, terms and conditions, and then launching on platforms, et cetera. But if you're actually already on wholesale and it's not working for you or it's quiet or it used to work and suddenly it's dropped off, actually a really good course for that because every module will take you through. So it's like a step, set up for wholesale. Then it's where to find your leads, lead generation. Um, so that's a massive part of it. Email marketing um, and then, you know, customer retention and everything else in between. Basically everything that we've done to be successful in wholesale, we've put into a course. Um, and so you can join that and then we'll release modules as we go along as well. Because it's one of those things that we're sharing everything we do as we go along. Um, and so we're like, we can take people along this journey too. Um, so that course is, yeah, I guess, depending when this um, episode goes out, we're hoping to launch mid-July. Um, so people can go to wholesaleautopilot.com um, and find that course there. And hopefully we're going to be teaching people how to wholesale and be re- really successful. We're, the the strap line is we'll get you to not to a thousand orders in 18 months because that's what we've done. Um, so yeah, we're hoping that that's, that's the case. There's a training course brand promise if ever I've heard one. Uh, so I'll put a link to that, uh, in the show notes for everyone that's listening so that you, you get that straight away. Lucy, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge so freely and, and giving everyone a bit of a masterclass here on the show on, on how to do wholesale. It's been absolutely absolutely fantastic chatting with you. And and if anyone wants to go deeper uh, and join your course, it's wholesaleautopilot.com. And, uh, so I hope that's a tremendous success for you, Lucy and uh, thanks again for coming on the show thank you so thanks for having me it's been great thank you back to Giles again for my top takeouts and this whole episode was full of knowledge bombs so I'll try to pick out what I think are the three or four most important so the first big one is that these wholesale marketplaces are just not a free ride Lucy mentioned that most of the brands she's seen that claim not to have much success with this strategy have just simply created a listing and hope for the best That clearly won't work. If you're familiar with selling on some of the retail marketplaces like Amazon or eBay, you'll know that momentum is your best friend in improving your discovery and acquiring new customers. And that means that you'll need to do the hard work to make connections and nurture wholesale leads off the platform, especially when you're just getting started. In fact, activities to find, connect with and nurture wholesale leads is actually where Lucy's team spend the majority of their time. The next one is gross margin. It's definitely something that you need to consider very, very carefully. There isn't a one size fits all answer for wholesale pricing that will work for platforms like FAIR. You're going to need to triangulate your own price and gross margin between enabling a solid markup for your wholesale customer, your cost of goods, cost of sales, in this case, your platform commission, and then competitor pricing on the platform as well. Thirdly, don't underestimate your competitive advantage on these channels. The impact your brand is making is a strong incentive to do business with you. More and more retailers are looking for brands with strong sustainability credentials. So make sure that all of that comes across on your platform listing and think about how to communicate that on your products in store, whether that's on packaging or on point of sale assets. 
Lastly, according to Lucy, the wholesale platform strategy should work for just about any brand, including made-to-order and customized products. If you fall into one of these business models, just make sure you're clear about your lead times. Also, buyers are looking for brands that they can build a profitable relationship with, which means that you'll need to have a good few products to select from, as well as future plans for extension. If you only have a handful of products, you might find it a little trickier to get momentum. So if you've been considering tackling wholesale marketplaces this year, or if you're already listed but not getting the traction you want, you may well want to check out Lucy's course at wholesaleautopilot.com. For now, I'd like to say thanks again to Lucy for sharing all those amazing insights with us on the show. I'll be back with you again next week with more stories from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet.